0: Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Welcome to this week's Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Continuing learning from the life of Joseph in our series, Living with Integrity. The message, authenticity. We'll see how Joseph displayed authentic faith in the midst of difficulty, struggles, and sorrow. Here's Senior Pastor Perry Duggar.
1: we continue our series, the survey of the life of Joseph that I have called Living with Integrity. Okay, who's got the definition of integrity? Come on. Somebody's trying back there, but I can't hear them. That's a good one. Doing the right thing when no one else is looking. That's a good one. Also, it, you can do it simply this. There's a consistency between my beliefs and my behavior. Today's message is entitled Authenticity. Okay, give me a definition of authenticity. Real. Okay, that's a good one. Genuine. True. Actual. In this message, we're focusing on genuine faith. In other words, being a true follower of God. Take out your outline. You'll see the the theme verse that I've chosen. is actually from 2 Corinthians, which we surveyed in the fall. And it says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Is your faith real, authentic? We'll examine the authenticity of Joseph's faith in in difficult circumstances. I don't know whether your faith can actually be proven in other than difficult circumstances. What do you think? Doesn't require faith when all is going well, does it? Joseph's faith was displayed in difficult circumstances, which displayed his consistent relationship with God. In other words, his spiritual integrity. After refusing the seductive advances of his master Potiphar's wife, Joseph, who is now age 28, after serving faithfully, successfully for 11 years, is imprisoned. But during this time of imprisonment, we're going to see evidence of his authentic faith. First, he recognized God's help in the midst of hardship. We'll begin in Genesis 39, page 36 in this Bible available here. Chapter 39, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. It's spoken four times in these passages. In prison. And showed him his Faithful love. Faithful love is a Hebrew word, chesed, and it means literally love and favor connected to divine promises. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite of the prison warden. See, our love can be rather fragile, can't it? God's love is based on a promise. It's not even based on our behavior. His love is a commitment, a promise, a covenant that he made to us. And he expressed it to Joseph in prison. You know, how many of us are in prison today? How many of us are in Egypt? How many of us are in difficult circumstances? And if so... Do you think that your circumstances prove that God has abandoned you? Because I think we often do that, don't we? If my life isn't where I want it to be, if my circumstances aren't what I would prefer them to be, then I accuse God of abandoning me. But even in imprisonment, We see God's grace in Joseph's life. His favor is apparent. Joseph was imprisoned instead of executed. And I told you that Potiphar was not only the captain of the Pharaoh's guard, he was also the chief of executioners. So Potiphar would have had the power to summarily execute Joseph. He didn't. He imprisoned him. Perhaps he wasn't convinced of his wife's story. Perhaps he knew about her character. But the interesting thing, in the ancient Near East, only one nation imprisoned to punish. You know what the nation was? Egypt. Yeah, that was an obvious question. (laughs) You said, "Oh, be careful! He's tricking you. He's going to trick you." He's going to... <laughs> God's aid in Joseph's efforts. Also, was another indicator of God's favor, which Joseph was aware of, but was also observed by the warden. Verse twenty-two. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had more, had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him. There it is again. And caused everything he did to succeed. See, it's repeated four times. God is with, God was with Joseph, God was with Joseph, God was with Joseph. The first mentions were when he was enslaved, the next mentions are when he's imprisoned. Because God wants us to see that our worldly circumstances don't determine his presence. But we have to be very, very careful that we don't fall prey to a worldly approach to life that's this world first so that we judge God's grace or lack of grace toward us by our situation. When we belong to God, He is committed to express His promised love to us. Always. In every circumstance and situation, and that includes times of difficulty, hardship, and suffering. Some of you are in difficulty today, some of you have a threat hanging over your heads. Can you detect God's love right now? Can you? Are you receiving? God's assistance even though the circumstances aren't perfect. Are you? You will and you'll recognize it. You'll see it. You'll be encouraged by it if you know him because you will spot his hand at work. You know this passage, Romans 8 28 and we know that God causes everything To work together for the good of everybody. Is it everyone? Are there conditions? There are conditions. For those who love God. And are called according to his purpose for them. See very often his purpose includes some pain. It includes some hardship. And yet, he's committed, he's promised to work every situation for our good. Does that always mean that we will recognize it and label it as good? Sometimes we won't. Sometimes we won't. God has a good plan for our lives. He has a purpose for our pain. Do you believe that? Is that all? You're the only one, just you? Does anybody else believe that? Well, that's a little lackluster too. (laughs) Does anybody else believe that? Because you got to be careful. Because that belief expects something of you. When you are suffering, that belief expects something of you. That you believe God has your best in mind. It might be painful. You know something about that. Genesis 40, verse 1. Sometime later, Pharaoh, Pharaoh's a title. It's not a name. It means an Egyptian, great house. And it became the title for the king. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials and he put them in the prison where Joseph was in the palace of the captain of the guard. May have been in a dungeon, may have been house arrest, but they are clearly imprisoned. They remained in prison for quite some time and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. The chief baker obviously prepared food for Pharaoh. The chief cupbearer served Pharaoh wine and other drinks, guarding the cup carefully and tasting it often to ensure the drink was safe. Due to the responsibilities of these two, according to their position and their nearness to the king, They were charged with protecting the king's food and drink from poison. And so they had to be trustworthy, loyal, reliable men. It's uncertain why they were imprisoned. Were they suspected of a conspiracy against Pharaoh? Or did they just serve him a bad meal? We don't know. Another evidence of authenticity is to remain aware of others. Verse 5, while they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today? He asked him. Joseph was wrongfully imprisoned because of a false accusation by a rejected woman. He lost his position, his reputation, and his freedom, limited though it was. We would understand If Joseph sat in a corner, doing what? Feeling sorry for himself. himself. Sulking. Immersed in angry self-pity. But he didn't become consumed with his own sorrow. He continued to serve faithfully in prison... And I think, I think that may be easier. You know, you can be upset and go through the motions, do the job you have to do at work, sort of in a perfunctory way, in a bad mood, but, you know, you do it. But, but that's not what Joseph did. Joseph remained sensitive enough to notice sadness on the faces of these prisoners. And he recognized that they looked different than they did the day before. When things don't go well in our lives, in our relationships, in our jobs, in our health, we tend to turn inward, become self-absorbed. And we don't notice anything or anyone around us. In fact, some of us use this phrase leave me alone or I want to be left alone. Not Joseph. By faith we can avoid becoming self-centered. We can Keep looking for opportunities to offer encouragement, even assistance, to others in need. We can be like Joseph. And also like Jesus. Jesus on the cross, you know what he said. Father, would you forgive these people? They don't really know what they're doing to me. Would any of us have said that? I think I'd have said, open up the earth and swallow them right now. He didn't. And he was, these are, he was only, only hung for a few hours. And he was sensitive enough toward people he cared about that he was concerned who would take care of his mother. And he said, John, you take care of her. You know, when our faith is real, when the Spirit resides within us, our suffering will make us more sensitive to the pain of others. Now, that's not what typically happens, is it? Typically, I. My suffering caused me not to know anything that's going on in your life and not even to care. Is that right? Leave me alone. And our suffering makes us willing to comfort others as God comforts us. Look at this verse 2 Corinthians. He comforts us in all our troubles. That's where some of us would like to put the period, wouldn't we? But that so tells us that one of the primary reasons for receiving comfort, being given comfort, was so we can what? Do you believe that? But when you're in a hole and God does something nice, don't you just say, oh, I'm glad I'm a little better. Now y'all leave me alone. And when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. I think those who have suffered and been comforted are always the ones who are able to apply the balm the best. People who have have struggled with addictions and by God's grace emerged from it are the best ones to help the next one out. Women who've lost children are the most effective at comforting others who have lost children. So where have you been hurt? What pain have you suffered How are you using your particular personal pain that God has comforted you from to relieve the pain of others? And you know what happens is when you focus on others, it lightens your load. Because, you know, to be in intense agony, your focus has to be where? On yourself. It lessens your sorrow. It lightens your grief. And it makes your difficult situation more bearable. I had a disappointing conversation with someone I know well recently. And he's had a difficult life with a difficult parent and I have been reaching out to this person and he didn't answer my phone call and he sent me a text and he said, I'm not going to answer your calls for a while because I need to work through this. I'm not sure that's the way you work through it. I think this is the way you work through it, is you use that pain to relieve the pain in others. And you know what? Some of us have been closed off and closed up for most of our lives because that pain you suffered as a child, it doesn't just drain away. As the years pass, here's God's prescription to take the pain you've suffered and use it to comfort others. When you're disappointed or suffering, do you turn inward or do you continue to focus outward? A related evidence of authenticity is to respond to people's needs. Recognize them first, then do something about it. Verse 8. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. That's surprising, isn't it? How many of us would have said, I can interpret your dream instead of what Joseph said, which shows his integrity, God can interpret dreams. Now go ahead and tell me. It's interesting in our world, isn't it, that in the Christian world, when someone has received a gift from God, they claim it as their own. Over the years, I've gone in search of to confirm um, that there were individuals with a power of healing. Scripture says a gift of healing. I wanted to know, I've had, I, and I've tracked down a few situations where people claim to have it. And um, I, I'm fully convinced God can heal. Are you? I'm not convinced He gives that power to a person to dispense as they will. I haven't I haven't been able to confirm that. I think if God did dispense a gift like that, you should empty out Prisma. Now, you'd frustrate the administrators. But you should go from hospital to hospital and completely empty them out. But that's not the way I see God giving these gifts. God apportioned gifts through people for a situation, for a period, for a time. And then it moves. I really think all spiritual gifts are like that. You know how a few years ago we took these spiritual gift tests and it became almost like your Zodiac. I think God is more personal and individual in the way he dispenses gifts into situations, into certain circumstances. But Joseph had this gift. He could hear from God. But he said, it's God. It's something God can do. It's not something I do. I can do. It's surprising that, that Joseph would have noticed the faces on these prisoners, isn't it? I mean, do you notice anything when you're in a bad mood? But it's even more startling that he would notice it and then do something about it. Because you know, you know how when you're in that bad mood, you know that somebody's upset. And so it requires real effort to avoid them. And to act like you didn't see anything, would we have offered? Verse 9. So the cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of rich grapes. I was holding the Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand which was his former occupation. So I took a cluster of grapes and I squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in the Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up. That's not an accurate translation from Hebrew. An accurate translation from Hebrew is lift up your head. And restore you to your position as his cupbearer. The reason I said um, I wanted you to know that Hebrew is because that's an idiom for showing favor or pardoning someone. Now Joseph had his own problems, didn't, didn't he? So why would he care about helping someone else with theirs? Bad circumstances did not rob Joseph of his faith. And it doesn't us. Bad circumstances didn't deprive Joseph of this understanding or didn't cause him to reject his understanding that he was called to serve and honor God by helping others. And so are we. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. Do you know that? Y'all repeat that. For I am God's masterpiece. Am God's masterpiece. Do it with a little more, ma- a little more enthusiasm. Because some of you really need to think about that. Some of you see yourselves as second rate. As permanently stalled out, as wounded, as second class, as something. That's not who that's not how God made you. But because he made you that way, there's some requirements. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. There's that so again. So we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Do you believe that? Okay, so what good things are you doing? Because we ought to be able to send a list around, right? I mean, that says if you've been created anew, you're involved in the good things he planned for you to do, right? So what are they? We've got time. (laughs) Do we use our personal problems... As an excuse to stop serving others practically. Joseph gave credit to God when he might have gained some advantage by claiming he possessed the power to interpret dreams. Wouldn't you think? This might be useful to me later. Joseph obviously sought God for this cupbearer. And he received a very clear response, apparently. But it appears that God hasn't answered Joseph about his own situation. At least clearly. Or if God spoke, Joseph didn't like the response. Have you ever gotten a response from God you didn't like? So you went looking for another one? Anybody ever done that? Here's the evidence of it. Genesis 40, verse 14. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place. Who's he relying on? Another man. For I was kidnapped from my homeland. That's not completely true. He was sold. The land of the Hebrews. And now I'm here in prison. But I did nothing to deserve it. What do you hear in that? Why whining? feeling sorry for himself. He did contribute to his brother selling him. Now, maybe with Pharaoh's wife, he, he didn't contribute to that, we don't know. It appears not. So what do we see here? Joseph showing his humanity, his frustration. With his painful circumstances. Now we go, well, how could Joseph, who he knew God's presence and his assistance personally, who could ask God questions that he would answer in a way that Joseph knew what he was saying, how could Joseph rely on an unbeliever, a pagan, an idol worshiper to obtain his freedom? Do you know God is with you? How many of you really think God is with you? Has he ever helped you? Has God ever helped you? I know he's helped you. Then why seek the world's solution to your problems? Well, God hasn't done anything. Well, let me ask that question. Then why seek the world's solution to your problems? An authentic relationship with God does not guarantee a lack of troubles in this world. In fact, it guarantees it. John, John 16, 33. But also guaranteed is God's nearness, his comfort, and his commitment to use our struggles to strengthen our faith. James 1, 2 through 4. James Romans 5, 3 through 5. But see, we have to decide which one's more important. Do we really want what we want in this world? Then we don't want to be bothered or hassled in any way, do we? And yet, if we want to be conformed to Christ's image, if we want to be prepared for eternity, it's going to happen through hardship. You believe that? I don't believe we get conformed apart from difficulty. An additional evidence of, evidence of authenticity is to resolve to speak truth. Verse 16. When the chief baker, I love this verse. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given The first dream, such a positive interpretation. He said to Joseph, well, I had a dream, two. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up. That's not what the Hebrew says. What the Hebrew says is, again, Pharaoh will lift up your head. But there's more. Pharaoh will lift up your head from off you. And impale your body on a pole. Then birds will come. And peck away at your flesh. Now that statement. If you saw the birds movie. You know how horrifying that is. <laughs> but most of y'all don't know. A few of us were around when that movie was out. Roland was and I was. But. But. That was a horrifying statement to this man. You know why? Who invented embalming? That's not a trick question. Egyptians did 5,000 years ago. But it wasn't just to preserve the bodies for a nice funeral. They preserved the bodies because they were preparing the body for well-being in the afterlife. So when this baker is told that the birds will peck away his flesh, basically, he'll not only die on earth, he'll have no existence in the afterlife in heaven. Joseph spoke God's truth to this baker. He didn't compromise it. He didn't soften it. He didn't explain it away. See, authentic faith requires us to represent God accurately. To our family, to our friends, to our co-workers, to our neighbors, to communicate God's truthful opinion in our community. Even when the message may not be well received. Now I didn't say to communicate it harshly, angrily, anything like that, right? You didn't hear that. that. We communicate the harshest truth in the gentlest, most humble way possible. But we don't alter God's truth and we don't fail to speak when the opportunity arises is our loyalty to God's word to his standards which is authentic faith or are we more committed to our personal acceptance and popularity which means we lack integrity See, you saw repeatedly, God's called you in Christ for a mission, for a purpose. And part of that is to represent him in this culture. But in Christ's manner, not angrily, humbly, gently, but truthfully. Verse 20, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impelled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Well, Joseph did right. Did he benefit? Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Joseph learned a painful lesson. Don't expect this world to be fair. Don't look for people to provide your deliverance. Lean on God. Rely on Him alone. Trust Him, even when He doesn't give you what you want. Seek God to know God, not to achieve your goals, not to gain His gifts. You see how different that is? We seek God to know God. There'll be care volunteers here at the front. And if something I've said or something the Spirit provoked in you, uh, something you want to talk about, have prayed over, they'll anoint you with oil. There's also the private room, the care connection room across the concourse. They'll be here as long as you need them. Father, I pray that you would confirm our authentic faith. And commission us, Lord, to do the work that you have called us to. Lord, may we have integrity in every area of our lives. Particularly, though, integrity in our spiritual lives. that, That what we claim to believe is evidence in our behavior. May we honor your son with our lives. Christ's name I pray.
0: Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Next week we'll continue exploring the life of Joseph in our series, Living with Integrity. To prepare, read Genesis chapter 41. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date on the Living with Integrity series. If you like what you've been hearing, leave a review so that others can discover how they can have a transformed life in Christ. You can watch a video of this week's message, listen to worship, or search through the message archives. Visit brookwoodchurch.org watch or download the Brookwood Church app. You can also get connected at Brookwood. Email us connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our Connections team. Thanks for listening and have a great week.